Hey, get your Bibles out and turn it on. And uh, <laughs> turn me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 9. I want to show you something today that is so simple, yet it is so important. I want to teach you a biblical principle. And that principle is that our response to God is very important. I've heard people say that the preaching of the word of God in every church service is the most important thing that happens. I understand what they are saying. However, I don't necessarily agree with the statement. I think your response to the preaching of the word is the most important thing. Because you can hear it, you can experience it, you can even get goosebumps, you can get chill bumps, it can make you shout and dance a little, but if you leave here and do nothing with it, then literally it falls to no effect and deaf ears. With that as background, 2 Kings chapter 4, looking at verse 9, is the story of the faith of the woman who made room for God's power in her life. Verse 9, and she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. The King James Version says, who passes by constantly. Now this is reference to Elisha the prophet and how, through the power of God, he was working mighty miracles. Remember, he is the one that had the double portion anointing because he saw the prophet Elijah taken up in a fiery exit. The mantle fell, and he received a double portion anointing. By the way, tonight I'm going to be speaking on at 6 o'clock the title of the message, The Anointing Makes the Difference. The Anointing Makes the Difference. And I leaned over to Jennifer and I said, can you ask Pastor Tom uh, if somehow we can get all those kids that were in the choir singing again tonight. I'm kind of sidestepping and didn't ask him personally because she's got more pull than I do. <laughs> and by the way, I've known these guys for many, many years and I was so stoked, I was so pumped when I heard that they were here as your executive pastors. You are lucky to have them. They are awesome. You're going to love them. You're going to love them. And their four kids. I told the first service, thank God that all their kids look like their mother. <laughs> Praise God. But tonight, the Lord spoke to my heart. I want to anoint all of our children. And we want to pray for all of our collegians. And for anyone that's longing for more of God. And we'll show you how we'll do it. We will honor our our officials that are above us, we will wear masks. Somebody told me the other day, they said, Pastor, where's your faith? Why do you wear a mask? I said, hey, bro, it's not a faith or fear issue. No, what it actually is, is I become all things to all people that Christ might be glorified. And if I can alleviate your fear by simply putting on a mask, that I can minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life and see you transform and change, I'm going to double up the mask. I'll put them all over my head if I have to. And tonight, I want to preach you a message based on the book of Exodus on how the anointing makes the difference. And we want to anoint your kids that their minds would be quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit, that their bodies would be protected. Because the reality is, friends, church no longer is about us. We're old people now. Church is about the next generation. Amen? And Elisha, the prophet, was walking in this double apportioned anointing and the mantle fell, 
And the woman says to her husband, I've noticed the power of God is on that man or on that vessel. And by the way, he's been walking by our house continually. He's been passing us by continually. Well, then if you read on in the story, she said, let's add on a room to our house so the prophet just won't pass us by. In other words, I want to make room for the miraculous in my life. That is what we are praying for tonight. We want you to make room for the miraculous in your life. I want to make room for a miracle in my family. Because notice every day on a regular basis, constantly, Elisha, who represents the power of God and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit prior to Jesus coming, dying on the cross and rising from the dead, 50 days later after the resurrection, Penta being Pentecost, the power of the Holy Spirit came to the church. Prior to all of that, Elisha the prophet represents the power of the Holy Spirit. He's passing by their house, but it did nothing for them until they made room in their house for a miracle. They made room for the miracle. In Luke 7, Luke chapter 18, verse 37, I want you to notice a biblical pattern. Understand, we serve a God of patterns. And how God dealt with natural Israel is how he will deal with you and I who are spiritual Israel. And I'm about to show you a biblical pattern. Look at Luke 18 and 37. Blind Bartimaeus was told by someone, Jesus is passing by. Luke 19 and 1, Jesus entered and was passing through Jericho. Mark chapter 6 verse 48 says, he saw that they were in a serious trouble, rowing hard, struggling against the winds and the wave. At three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. The English Standard Version says, he meant to pass them by. Now, when you highlight those verses, you realize one says he's passing by, one says he's passing through, and the last one says he intended to go past them. Then you add Elisha, 2 Kings, who represents the power of God, and it says he was passing through continually or daily. This is a biblical pattern. And what it's telling us is that it's not enough to know that the Spirit of God is in this place today, because he is. Because wherever two or more are gathered in my name, Jesus says, there I am in the midst of them. But apparently, according to these scriptures, it's possible for God's spirit to pass us by and not benefit us until we make room for a miracle of God in our life. It's possible for the power of God to be made manifest in a church and you're sitting in one pew and someone else is sitting in another pew and they're getting blessed and you're just sitting there going, well, I can't. I guess God doesn't love me. The difference is, are you willing to make room for a miracle? In Genesis 12, the Bible opens by telling us something about the Holy Spirit. It says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And he moved. Notice, the Spirit of God is moving. In John 7, 37 through 38, Jesus himself at the Feast of Tabernacles, he likens the Holy Spirit to a river. 
And the Bible says he's standing there at the Feast of Tabernacles and he cries out, he that believeth in me out of his innermost belly or the deepest part of his life and his soul or his spirit shall flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit, like a river, will move in your life. In that river is God's promise, God's provision, and the power of God that's flowing. It's passing by. And you and I are supposed to get in contact with that river. Newsflash, it's not my job to get you in the river. Newsflash, it's not the youth pastor's job to get your kid in the river. Newsflash, it's not Pastor Tom's job to lead the church or Pastor Eric's job to lead the church into the river. No, that is each and every one of our own responsibility. It is our responsibility to just not stand on the banks of the river and watch. Listen, do you know what you'll get out of this service? Do you know what you'll get out of this sermon? Exactly what your faith will reach out for. Exactly what you have the faith to do. Because God's power is passing by. And it's not an issue or question, is the Holy Spirit here? The sermon series that we are involved in now, what do you want out of life? The question is not, is the power of God moving? The question is, will it do you any good? And friends, we have the power to stop him from passing by and have him turn in and dwell here. Listen to this amazing biblical truth. The obvious does not obligate God to do a miracle. Because people say, Lord, don't you see we need a miracle? We're in the middle of a pandemic, God, don't you see it? The obvious doesn't obligate God. Lord, Portland, Oregon, Salem, here we are. Don't you see us, Lord? The obvious doesn't obligate God. He's a sovereign king. Just because you have a need, if you stand by or sit by and just watch the river pass by, if you cower in fear, you can miss all of God's provision and all of God's power. So the question then becomes, okay, Randy, what makes him stand still? What stops the very presence of God or the Holy Spirit from passing us by? I believe it's desperation. I believe there's something about a desperate heart that stops the Holy Spirit from passing by. How desperate are you? Some people don't understand our passion in a church like this. They don't understand people shouting and clapping and, and dancing around. Uh, they don't understand praising. It's foreign to them. They don't even understand the urgency of our need to gather together. They, they just want to bypass that. It's foreign to them. Others will say, well, God is sovereign. He will do whatever he wants to do. Yes, that's true. I understand the theology. However, at the same time, there is a biblical truth and a reason that these scriptures tell us Jesus, he's passing by, he's passing through. He intended to go past them. Now, that's as plain as you get. He intended to go past them. But they all did something. They cried out in desperation, and Jesus changed the direction he was going because someone assessed more than just letting him pass by. And I'm saying to you that we can make the Holy Spirit, who is the mirror image of Jesus Christ on planet Earth, 
until he comes again, we can literally make him stop in our midst. Stand still. We do this through our desperation, through our faith, through our honesty. I got a, I got a notification. I do a Tuesday, Thursday Bible, a uh, little devotional, a little selfish plug here. But every Tuesday, Thursday, I do something called Coffee with Rev at 7 o'clock Central Time for 15 minutes. If you want to log on, Facebook Live, Randy Rose Missions, Facebook Live. And I just deal with these kind of issues. 15 minutes, and then I pray for you. And someone on my Coffee with Rev, they asked me, they said, hey, Rev, uh, could it be that God allowed the COVID-19 virus to get America to get desperate? And I private messaged them, and I said, I don't know if he's getting America desperate, but his intention, I believe, is to get the church desperate. Because first we have an awakening in the church and then we have revival in the world. Or I should say it the other way. First we have revival in the church and then an awakening in the world. How desperate are you? Because there's no doubt that the devil says, I've got them now, I've cornered them now, I've shut them down again, they're not gonna come to church anymore, I'm scattering them, I've got this thing under control. Are you ready to get real with God through more than just playing church? See, and that's why we worship and sing and play the instruments. Some people say, wow, those kids were awesome. When they began to sing, it created an energy in the atmosphere. That's not an energy. It's the very presence of the Holy Spirit that is brought into the building because he inhabits the praises of his people. It's the power, of, come on, clap your hands for that. It's the power of Almighty God. It's the same power that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Lamb of God. It's the same power that is generated around the throne of heaven when the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, worthy to be praised and worthy to be adored. When you cry out to God, when you step out of the, uh, the things the, uh, that are around you and say, Lord, no matter the situation, I'm gonna praise you. The presence of the Holy spirit comes this is worship this is praise it's calling on the name of Jesus why do we do it pastor because we are desperate to just not let him pass us by we want him to stop and we want him to stop for our children how many want him to stop for your children how many want him to stop for your nation for your city Lord just don't pass us by there's a man in the Bible that I really like called Zacchaeus. He was desperate to see Jesus, but he was unsuccessful because the crowd was so large and he's a short man in stature and he could not see over the crowd. So he climbs up in a tree for the savior he could see. And I was thinking about Zacchaeus and his desperation and I'm reminded of a scripture that says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short. <laughs> of the glory of God. See what I did there? I thought that was kind of cute. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. So what I'm saying to you is no matter your physical stature, all are too small to see Jesus. All of us are too small to see him. I like Zacchaeus because he realizes I've got a problem. I really want to see Jesus. He's passing by, but I'm too short. I can't see over the crowd. 
So in his desperation, he steps out of his normal experience. And he realizes my answer is not in me, my answer is in the tree. The tree, which to us represents Calvary, enlarged Zacchaeus. The tree allowed him to see Jesus, but more importantly, the tree made Jesus see Zacchaeus. He stepped out of the norm. Then Jesus said, come down out of the tree because I'm going to your house today. He could have just passed by. He could have just waved at Zacchaeus in the tree, but he saw his desperation. He saw he's willing to step out of the norm. And Jesus said, I'm not just passing by. I'm going to your house and I will bless your whole family. I will turn into the place where you live and I will change the future of your entire family because you dared to get into a tree. You dare to get desperate for me. And friends, if you can get this morning into Calvary's tree, he will go home with you this morning. Depression won't go home with you. Defeat won't go home with you. Fear won't go home with you. If you will allow yourself to step out of the norm and get in the tree, the Lord will see you and he says, I will answer you and I will go home with you and the peace of God that passes all understanding will go home with you as well. If you believe that, somebody shout amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus will notice you. Look at Luke 18, blind Bartimaeus, the Bible says, was told, Jesus is passing by. Jesus is passing by. In Luke 18, he cries out with a loud voice, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now, that phrase, Son of David, in biblical times, was reserved for the soon coming Messiah. They did not attack, attract that to anybody else but the soon coming Messiah. And though the man is blind physically, he's got some sort of spiritual insight to realize this man that's coming my way is the Messiah. So he cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him, they have to silence him and they say, shh. You, you can't get excited in church. This is the assemblies of God. You've got to be quiet. Some of you will catch that later at lunch. <laughs> and when they told him to be silent, he's desperate. And the Bible says he cried out even louder. He cried out even louder. In other words, he got a miracle for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you will catch that later too. <laughs> he got a miracle for crying out loud. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you can get a miracle for crying out loud. Just tell him, you can get a miracle for crying out loud. However, you can miss a miracle for just sitting there. So don't minimize my praise. 
Don't you just sit there and act like I'm emotionally shallow because sometimes when I feel a hallelujah coming on deep in my soul, I've been fighting hell all week long, been fighting the political machine all week long, been fighting the fear of COVID, been fighting the fear of a shutdown, fighting the fear of this and fighting the fear of that. Are my kids going to make it online school? Are they not going to make it online school? Got all these things that are battering me around. Don't make me feel shallow because I come to the house of the Lord and I lift up my my voice and I cry out from whence cometh my help my help cometh from the Lord oh come on somebody praise him yes because when you shout the Bible says he got a miracle which means you might be just one hallelujah away from a miracle you might just be one shout of praise away from stopping God in his midst and turning and looking your direction Everybody, we need to take a little praise break right now. And I, I just want you to forget the person next to you. And I want you to lift your hands for about three or four seconds and just begin to thank God for a tree. Thank God for mercy. Thank God that Jesus hears you cry out for your children. Come on, People's Church, praise him. If you're watching me online, wherever you are watching, just praise him. Don't let the devil silence your praise. Don't let the political agenda silence your praise. Rip off that mask and begin to praise him and begin to cry out the name that is above every name, that at the mention of that name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord according to the glory of God the Father Father we praise you we praise you Lord in the midst of the chaos we praise you Joshua under the old covenant he made the SUN stand still he's fighting the Amorite kings in the valley of Ajalon, and he's running out of daylight. He has the enemy on the run, and he realizes that if they get away, they will come back too strong to fight another day. And so he says, Father, I cannot allow the sun to go down until any, every enemy of God is defeated. And understand, some of you have had the devil on the run in your family, but you started feeling like you've got a little victory going on, and you stopped chasing the devil or running him down. When you've got him on the run, you cannot stop. You cannot stop praising. You cannot stop giving your call out to God. And so God hears the call of Joshua, and he stops the sun in the sky for Joshua. Blind Bartimaeus, he doesn't stop the S-U-N. No, no, he makes the S-O-N stand still. The son of the living God. The very God that created mankind. Deity in flesh. Jesus, the son of the living God, stood still when Bartimaeus cried out. And God is no respecter of persons. And if you'll cry out to him this morning, he will stand still for you. And I know you're sitting there saying, wait a second, Randy. Are you saying, you mean that he is passing by, and if I cry out in faith, and I learn to worship, and I get desperate, and I get to a place of faith, and I can cry out in prayer, I can make the power of the Holy Spirit stand still in my home, stand still in my church? Absolutely yes. I know some of you may be having a problem with the theology, but I don't really care what you call it. All I know is that every one of these cases, Jesus was going one direction, and when somebody cried out, he stopped and went to them. They got his attention. In Mark 6 and 48, it says the disciples were out in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's the darkest part of the evening, the last watch. 
the darkest part of the evening. How many will agree with me by raise hand that America is in a very dark part of her life right now? Portland is in Oregon. We need him. That's why you got to be here tonight. The anointing makes the difference. The Bible says that when you, they were in the midst of the storm, they couldn't see Jesus because the storm was so great. Listen, friends, sometimes in your life, even take away the pandemic or take away uh, the political things that are happening, there are times in our life where the storm is so topsy-turvy that all we see is the storm. Maybe it's a cancer in your family. Maybe it's a child that's rebellious and they're running from God. Maybe it's a financial issue and your marriage is struggling. And you get to the point where all you see is the waves. All you see is the wind. All you see is the topsy-turvy things of life. Have you ever been in a situation where you can't see anything else but the problems? Well, you might be there right now. But listen, when you can't see him, he can see you. And the Bible says he could see them from the shore. And they're struggling against the winds and the waves, but his eyes are upon you. Oregon, God's eyes are still upon you. Salem, God's eyes are still upon you. People's Church, God's eyes are still upon you. He's watching you. He's waiting on you. And the Bible says that fear was gripping their hearts and Jesus came walking on what they were warring against. On the things that they were fighting, on the things that they were the most worried about, that's what Jesus came walking on. Jesus was walking on their problems. He was walking on their negative circumstances. Listen to this amazing truth. What you are worried about this morning is what's going to bring the master to you because he's watching. He's watching. What do you want in life? Because the obvious doesn't obligate God. And if you want to surmise this whole message, there's that, that's that, in that one line, the obvious doesn't obligate God. The obvious doesn't obligate God. When he stopped by blind Bartimaeus, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? Well, it's obvious, Lord, he's blind. Oh, I know it, but what do you want me to do, Bartimaeus? People's church, what do you want me to do? Well, it's obvious, Lord, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I know, but what do you want me to do? Well, it's obvious, Lord, the devil's trying to scatter the church. I know, I know, but what do you want me to do? Because the obvious doesn't obligate God. In essence, he's saying, Bartimaeus, do you have enough faith to ask me for the miracle? Or are you so consumed with life that you can't see past your hand? Mijo, what do you want? Bartimaeus says, I want to see. See, that's a God-sized prayer. You've got to get to a point in your life when you stop praying small little prayers and you look around you and you realize your God is greater than a pandemic. Your God is greater than a governor. Your God is greater than an election. Your God is greater. He is the, oh, come on, clap your hands and give him praise. He is almighty God. He's all-knowing God. And we need to understand that there's a higher court than the Supreme Court of the state of Oregon. There's a higher court than the Supreme Court of the United States. It's the court that is run by the Master and the Savior and the Lion of Judah. The high court of God. 
And I'm here to tell you that every single leader, no matter who they are through the history of time, whether it's President Trump, whether it's Ronald Reagan, whether it's Biden, whether it's Harris, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, it matters not. They will all stand before Almighty God and they will give an account for the way that they led with the gift of leadership that God gave because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord according to the glory of God the Father. And listen, Listen, we win. If you believe that, clap your hands and praise him. Oh, come on, church, we win. We win. So this morning, what do you want from God? What do you want? Because the obvious doesn't move him. Well, what moves him then, pastor? Faith is what moves him. Desperation is what moves him. People crying out in faith, believing, moves God. But the obvious doesn't. And it blows my mind, gang, as the musicians are coming, that the scripture says <laughs> that they're out in the boat at three o'clock in the morning in the darkest hour of the night, and he intended to pass them by. And in my study, I said, whoa, 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 wait, wait, God, wait, God, wait, God. Are you really going to let them all drown? Lord, that's the whole salvation plan is in that boat, dude. You're going to let them all go to the bottom? And then I got a mental image. He's walking on what's warring, and he's, going, he's watching him like this. He's watching. He's watching. He's walking on the waves. He's watching. That's what he's doing right now. He's walking past you right now, and he's looking at you and saying, what are you going to have faith to do? Are you going to just cower in fear? He was going to pass them by. Until we understand that danger and despair is not what moves Jesus, he stopped because somebody cried out. And when they cried out, Jesus approaches the boat and the wind ceased. I want to close with that last word. The wind ceased. Because the actual Greek to the meaning of ceased, get ready. Get ready, get ready. It means to no longer exist. When Jesus was passing by, when he said, peace be still, it meant the problems no longer existed. Wouldn't it be amazing to leave this service this morning And look at your wife and say, baby, what happened to that disease? It's as if it didn't even exist. What happened to our depression? What happened to our sin, our addiction? If you're sitting next to your spouse, I want you to lean over and just grab their hand because the Holy Spirit is passing by right now. He's passing by. And he's asking you, what do you want out of life? I'm still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, I wish I had more time. I could preach a whole series of messages on the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know why? Listen now. <laughs> We're stuck in the today. And some of you are still being haunted by yesterday.
and yet you feel powerless because you can't go back to yesterday. You're stuck in today. But God, the Holy Spirit, is the God of yesterday. And only he can go back into your yesterday and forgive you for what you did yesterday. He can forgive those fears, those doubts, those worries. And the reason I had you grab your spouse's hand is because I want you right now to begin to pray, Lord, we need you in our marriage. We need you in our home. Our children need you. We're in the middle of a pandemic, Lord, and, and we don't want to be so arrogant to believe that the obvious stops God. No, no, we want to make room for a miracle in our home. Every married person right now, you're watching me online. You're watching me in this room. I want you to grab your spouse by the hand and just like that woman in 2 Kings, say, come on, baby, we're going to make room for a miracle in our life. We're going to make room. We're going to get past the ordinary. We're going to do whatever it takes. Next week, when they tell us you're only allowed a certain amount of people, we will be in line with our mask on and our family there. And if we have church in the main sanctuary, if we have it in a gymnasium, we're going to stand up because my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his blessedness. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. And you listen to me. Your children are watching right now how you, your faith stands in a pandemic. And you let them know, come on, baby, we're going to church. Because I still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to take a broken life, a broken marriage, a broken family. We need to get back to old-fashioned gospel preaching. And I want you to have your kids here tonight. We will anoint every one of them with oil. Something dynamic comes upon them. It's the anointing. Oh, I, I, I got to stop here. I got to stop. There's another service coming. Let me close with this. In Mark 5, there's a little girl who's dying. Her father, his name Jairus, he's from the house of the company of the prophets. In other words, he's, he's a, a pastor, and he goes and gets Jesus, and he said, my little girl is dying. She needs you. All she needs is your touch. All she needs is your breath. She's 12 years old. She needs you. See, you're holding your spouse in your hand. Your children need you. They need you to be strong in the anointing. The word gets out that... Jesus is passing by and a woman with an issue of blood which basically means without getting real descriptive a chronic menstrual cycle she's continuing to flow she is toxemic most likely anemic she has spent all her money on doctors she can't stop it nobody knows why she has this medical malformity and she's desperate to stop the master and she gets word that Jesus is passing by and she steps out of the norm listen he's passing by what will you do to step out of the norm to get his attention And Jesus is walking with Jairus by his side. A large crowd is there, and Jesus stops, and he says, somebody touch me. The disciple by his elbow, Jairus, I believe, says, Lord, of course somebody touched you. There's a large crowd here. You know, somebody touched me with desperation. Somebody touched me with faith. Somebody touched me, and virtue has flown from my body. And the woman was healed. But as they're standing there, because it took longer than expected, a messenger came to tell Jairus, your little girl is dead. Why do you trouble the master anymore? Glue your eyes right here as I try to close this. Are you letting the enemy speak words into your ears that says the church is dead? Your child's education is dead. 
It's already too far gone in Portland. In Salem, you're already cowering in fear. It's over. Why do you keep praying? God hasn't heard you yet. Jesus looks at Jairus. Oh, I wish I could have been there. And he says, don't listen to the noise. Don't listen to him. The little girl is only asleep. Only believe. People's church, whose report will you believe? A culture and a godless desire, godless culture. Or the power of the Holy Spirit that says, believe. They get to the house of Jairus and there's a large group of people there and they're all wailing. And when Jesus comes with Jairus, the Bible says they start laughing at him. They laugh to derision, mocking him. We're living in a generation that's mocking us right now. Them Christians, they just want to go to church. It's stupid. Don't they realize we're in a pandemic? They're laughing at us. Can't believe they want to go to church. Jesus silences all of them and sends them out. He takes Peter, James, and John, his three closest associates in the discipleship, and he takes them into where the little girl is lying, and he says those famous words in Aramaic, Talitha kum. Oh, you read it. It means little girl, arise. The question is, in the middle of this pandemic, when it looks like all is dying, where will you be? On the outside with the naysayers or on the inside with the miracle? Where will you be? I don't know about you, but I want to be on the inside. To hear him say to Salem, Oregon, arise. To People's Church, arise. Come on. And then he says something amazing. He raises the dead, and then he tells the parents, give the girl something to eat. Don't you know their jaws must have dropped? In it, he's saying, I'm not only the God of the winds and the waves. I'm not only the God of the supernatural to raise death back to life. But I'm the God of the everyday that cares about your everyday life. I care about your children. I care about your grandchildren. I care about where they go to school. And I care about what they eat. I'm your heavenly father. And I, don't, I will not only meet your spiritual needs, I will meet your natural earthly needs. If you'll just be on the inside and realize the obvious doesn't obligate me. I need you to cry out to me. You have a free will.